Hey, welcome back to the Cannabis Boomers podcast. It's Tom with episode 15 featuring Elizabeth, the health cannabis. She is now in Maine by way of New Jersey, and she has lots to talk about in terms of how cannabis can help you live a healthier life. Number one, it helps a lot of people sleep better. Number two, it can decrease anxiety. Another big one is it attacks inflammation. CBD does a great job of that. So have a listen, tell me how you like it, and uh, look us up at cannaboomerswithak.com. Thanks for listening. This is Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast, CBD, microdosing, and all things related to medical cannabis for baby boomers. From San Diego, here's your host, Thomas J. You know, I, I was looking at your website and I noticed that you confessed to your codependent relationship with your dog. <laughs> yes, uh, it is true. I have a five pound poodle, uh, five pounds of fury, but nobody told her she's small, so She's, you know, pretty big in personality and has won me over. And it's definitely an interesting thing because if you know anything about what I do, which is a lot of outdoor hiking and whatnot, it's hard to picture a small five-pound dog included in all that, but she's there. So it's great. I love poodles. They're both athletic and intelligent. Um, (sighs) Smart. Too smart sometimes, but yes. A lot of our audience I know loves dogs and I think people are realizing um, CBD is good for dog health as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, I can't, I can't speak volumes enough about that one, actually, from a topical standpoint, orally, it's, it's very cool. And I, I personally only know a small amount from, from dogs and stuff. I do have a great vet that I work with and talk to about, but it's really, that's, as far as information goes, there's even less information um, when it comes to cannabis and incorporating and wellness, uh, when it comes to animals anyways. Humans have a hard enough time talking about it and dogs can't tell us. Well, and believe me, I've been trying to work with my vet for, I guess, two to three years now in bringing that conversation up. And it's only been in the last six to eight months that she was even able to have that conversation, meaning that she was able to grab and get some information that actually made sense and that could actually be passed on because up until then she was the, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. I can't tell you. It was all of that was the answer. Um, and really she referred me to a guy that she knew was using it, but still it was just his anecdotal evidence. And I'm fine with that as long as we can have some really deep conversations and get a lot of information. But Um, you joke, I joke about the codependency with my dog. I started using it for her so that when I did actually have to leave her at home, which was sad for both of us, that we both could survive, you know? Um, and that was my first introduction to it with her, but she's also had a couple of like cuts and scrapes. We live in Maine. So she has a lot of exposure to possible ticks and whatnot. So just using it topically as well has been a really cool experience. Stuff that I just didn't expect. Well, I guess that's a good segue to talk about the health cannabis and what you do for people and the fact that, you know, we have an endocannabinoid system. Every mammal does. And what works for your dog works for people too, right? Correct. I mean, it's, we have a very similar system. Well, the endocannabinoid system is the same, but how it interacts in the body and the different ways that it can be useful, it's, it's quite similar. And especially when we're just looking at CBD, because that's what we're looking at when we're talking about animals. Uh, we're not generally, I hope not, using companies that have high doses of THC and 
you know, we can't explain to our pets, Hey, you're going to, you're going to come down. Everything's going to be okay. Um, I'm not sure. Again, I haven't done a lot of research on it myself because I'm just more interested in the CBD side for my pet. But when it comes down to it, there are, there could be some other risk factors that we just don't know about. Not with, at least with the THC, because you do see a lot of things in the news where dogs are getting sick or ending up at the vet from toxicity. I don't know what those levels are. And I don't know how much of it is just, you know, basic hyperbole in the news, but some of it might have some truth to it. So as the health cannabis, you started as a personal trainer, right? Correct. Uh, basically on paper, that's, yes, I started out just training as far as just exercise. I worked with athletes and clients, whether it would be a gym or a facility, that sort of thing. Um, and really quickly in my career, I realized that that just wasn't enough. You can't just, you know, kind of look at part of the body. You have to look at the entirety of it. So very quickly, I started my education in nutrition um, to get the right information there and really started to kind of adding tools to the toolbox, I suppose. You know, it was nutrition. And we can use the word wellness, but it includes kind of some mental aspects to things, whether it be meditation, yoga. Um, I think that the current term is self-care. It changes every 10 years. We have a different way of looking at it or naming it. Um, but cannabis, you know, is another tool in the toolbox, um, you know, so to speak, if you're kind of looking at it from that perspective. We've seen a lot more acceptance of cannabis just in the last couple of years, but I Imagine there's still a lot of kind of contrary that your position is seen as contrarian that for so many decades, we were told this is the devil's weed. It's not good for you. It's going to lead you to ruin. And now it's flipped and it's all of a sudden, this is a, this is a wellness tool. How do you handle that? Well, unfortunately it's, I mean, if you have this really cool Venn diagram and you kind of put exercise and you put cannabis, you put fitness and well, you, there's the crossover is very, very small. The, the number of people, excuse me, within say the fitness industry that can even regard cannabis as a part of their toolbox is very, very small. And being in this industry for, well, much, much longer than I'd like to admit how loud I've been ostracized, looked at, et cetera, anytime I've brought it up um, because I've consumed cannabis from a very young age and it never occurred to me that it couldn't be included in part of your life because I wasn't the person that ever fell, you know, melting into the couch covered with Cheeto dust. It never happened to me. <laughs> so, you know, and unfortunately that is the stigma that we, you know, attach to it. And the conversation is really, it's multiple conversations with people to kind of get them to look at the, at cannabis as more than just this THC high or, or even, you know, having the conversation to where you can say it could benefit you. Generally what it takes is either somebody that they know or they're related to had some sort of medical issue that was, you know, really, I can't say necessarily cured, but their life was changed by the incorporation of cannabis. It could be their neighbor's kid that had some sort of uh, one of these epileptic diseases that where they're having the 700, 800, uh, you know, seizures a day. Suddenly their kid is introduced to CBD. So they see their that neighbor's life change. So that kind of conversation happens. And then they start thinking, well, maybe there's something to it for me, because if an eight year old kid can take it and go to school and be fine, maybe something, that's something I can do. 
And that's where I have clients that will ask me about it. So what is this about the CBD? And it's very interesting because it's, it's happening a lot faster now. It's almost every day I talk to somebody who not even a year ago was in conversation saying, oh, I can't believe where I live. I mean, I heard that there are all these pot farms around, like it's some sort of horrible thing. And then, you know, a couple, you know, a year later, two years later, they're they're coming and saying, so my sister, you know, fill in the blank, had this entire, you know, story of of being changed by having cannabis or, or just part of cannabis, the CBD molecule incorporated. And then they'll ask me about it. So it kind of comes from that direction or even I kind of consider funny, but they'll incorporate it from a recreational standpoint. Maybe they were at a party or they had a family member who, you know, brought them say an edible or something. And this has happened to me somewhat recently where I have a 66 year old client who had it given to him as a gift sort of, so to speak. And now, wow, my knees don't hurt. I'm up and down ladders. I feel like walking again, like all of these things. It's a snowball effect. The domino effect comes from that. You know, I hear you talking about a couple different aspects, and one is CBD. I've discovered mm-hmm. that as a balm is amazing on, oh. on my knees. I've, I've been running for decades, so you know, excellent. You, you do need you do need to take care of your knees. Well, the other side of it is THC and how that can help too. And my previous podcast was with Antonio De Rose, who's a competitive yes. trail runner. And I did about, finally listen to his uh, podcast last week. That was great. Yeah, and he talked about. Um, how it could help him focus. Do you use it in, in that way when you're working with your clients? Um, does it help before the workout to get you dialed in and have a productive workout? Um, the shortest answer to that is yes, it's a great question. Um, first off, when we're looking at kind of incorporating it, there's a couple of different things to consider. Number one, there's a difference between therapeutic dosing, and I kind of hate the word dose, but we'll, we'll use it for the sake of conversation, um, therapeutic dosing, and then maybe kind of biohacking dosing, if we want to use that term. Um, if you're using it for therapy, whether it be treating something like anxiety, uh, pain, inflammation, those kinds of doses are going to be a lot different than somebody who's just trying to kind of tweak their workout, tweak, you know, we're looking at the fitness buffs, the athletes that are just trying to take it to a different level, if that makes any kind of sense. Because if somebody is suffering from pain or actual like inflammation on a regular basis, they are what I refer to, this is going to sound interesting, but the high functioning cannabis consumer, they are most likely somebody who is consuming it and having to incorporate in their life daily on a regular basis. So they, number one, have experience with it. They, they're having to use it regularly to kind of heal or to, to manage their own symptoms. But when you're looking at somebody that is, you know, say a newbie, doesn't incorporate it, doesn't have any experience with it. The avenue in which that I like to discuss it with them is a lot different. The first thing, and this might make sense to you because you can, you've talked to a lot of people, the biggest problem that most people have is sleep or lack thereof. And coming into talking to anybody, it's the bottom line for a lot of people. So if we can get them to sleep, that domino effect, that snowball that I talked about earlier goes down that mountain in the right way. So they're basically 
kind of starting out this wellness program with a good foundation. Because if you're not getting sleep, you can't hack the way your way with anything else. You can't take a pill or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all day long to cover the fact that you're not getting enough sleep. And that's true for athletes as well. So it doesn't matter who you are, you get that sleep in check, then everything else kind of starts to fall into place. That inflammation starts to come down. Um, energy goes up, all of those things. In the process, you discover that, hey, this this isn't harming me. It's actually helping me. Maybe it can help in other ways. Yes. Usually the big thing about, you know, introducing somebody, especially if they're new, they have this fear and stigma. They don't want to feel high, as they put it, or, you know, they're just scared. A lot of, especially if they're an adult who hasn't had an experience with it, or if they did, it was 30, 40 years ago, um, I'm not sure what your memory is from that far back, but it doesn't, it doesn't really compute very well. So we kind of, I look at it and I try to have a conversation with them and, and say, listen, the best way to kind of start introducing it is at that time of day in the sleep, in the evening, when you're at home and you're safe and you're surrounded by your own stuff, you're not, you know, going somewhere else and consuming cannabis and putting yourself into a position where most people are already panicked and paranoid a little bit anyways, starting if it's if it's new to them, if they haven't had it ever, especially with all of the stigmas attached to it, especially right now, we see we're hearing a lot more of this oh, it's so much stronger than it used to be. And, and especially now with this vaping versus smoking um, conversation that's going on, it just came out this last week. So it's, it's, we're constantly having to put down these fires almost and explain it. Well, okay, let's look at it from the other perspective. So vaping is better, it's stronger. So you use less of your medicine. So you're more efficient with it. How about that? Instead of looking at it from, well, you have to consume the same amount each time. So it, it's an interesting perspective. Right. What you learn is it's very personalized medicine. And, you know, the word dose, whether we want to call it that or not, maybe it's one hit. Right. You, you titrate. You see how that works for you. And, and the other thing you mentioned about, you know, sleep is I imagine you have to pay attention to the strain. And, you know, I've had people say indica sativa is kind of a meaningless distinction anymore. But it is possible to kind of wake your brain up with a strain that's energetic as opposed to one that's going to sort of calm you down and relax you and get you ready for sleep, right? Agreed. Um, yeah, the sativa indica thing, it's it's tough because it's a good starting point for somebody who hasn't had any introduction to cannabis. They they don't know anything about it. It's a great place to start a conversation and go, there are strains that are going to make you feel a little more uplifted. There are strains that are going to feel make you feel a little more heavy. And the the terms that I like to kind of use are that uplifting or cerebral effect versus, you know, physical body effect. Um, but the problem with that is from at least my position in working with people is there is no ironclad rule. You know, most people would like to think that they're not going to want to consume a, an indica of uh, example to before they go for a run. But for a lot of runners, that works really well. And I happen to be one of them. So it's it's a good place to start the conversation. But what they eventually want to start to recognize um, is what kind of what's the molecular structure of that strain that you happen to work well with? What are the terpene profiles? What are, what are the flavonoids that are, if you can find that information out from your dispensary, wherever you're getting your, your medicine from, um, what are the cannabinoids in there? What are the things that are in there that 
are working for you and then starting to gravitate towards those. But you do have to have a start, a base point, starting point where that's where that sativa and indica conversation does work from the first conversation. Now, once they start having a little bit of experience and seeing, I mean, I have plenty of people that I know that take, uh, using CBD can actually stimulate them and wake them up at night. So, you know, we're talking about a medicine that has a really unique quality to it, where it's not so much of a one directional effect in the body where say Tylenol, let's just look at that. We know it's a, it's acetaminophen. It's a pain reliever. It works one way. So CBD or cannabis works to put your body back to balance. It's for trying to work within that endocannabinoid system and bring your body back to homeostasis. So when you're taking or using like the topical bombs that you mentioned on your knees, it's not going to overwork and you can't overdose on that stuff and have suddenly your knees are going to go numb and you can't walk anymore. Um, you know what I mean? So you're, you're dealing with something that is your body wants to be into balance and you have a medicine here that works really well with putting it into balance as well. Right. Another facet of this is that we all have unique genetic profiles and, and we may mm-hmm. react differently. So maybe it makes sense to keep a journal and, you know, absolutely. Still- it's <laughs> the first recommendation is and not just a journal for the particular strains and, you know, different, ways you're consuming cannabis, but also how you're using it, whether it be the context, how you start off feeling, and then how you're ending. There's a period of of how long it's going to be in your body. So there are people that have started off feeling great for, and then they may have, you know, maybe ended up feeling nauseous or had this, a client who mentioned the word icky. It's very subjective, obviously, but you have an individual effect in every person that you can't necessarily say there's going to be the same. We can say it's going to be generally, this is, this could happen, but you're going to always have the one out of what, 100 or 200 people that that strain is going to be horrible for, or that particular kind of uh, method of consuming medicine is not going to work for. Um, Edibles don't work for a lot of people. They don't work for a lot more people than they think. That's the problem. So edibles, you know, consuming cannabis that way work really well for many people. And those people are very vocal. But I've happened to work with a lot of people that edibles don't work well for because you're talking about people. There are a lot of people in this country that have some sort of digestive issue. So if you're dealing with a digestive issue, it does sometimes make sense to consume that way, but it sometimes doesn't because of all the added ingredients that are involved too. You also make an interesting distinction between the high functioning cannabis consumer (laughs) and the newbie. And I call the HFCC. It's not, (laughs) it's very cool, right? (laughs) That's a very useful distinction. So, and we all know people like that who are just able to get up and wake and bake, as we used to say back in the day, go attack the day. And then other people could never function like that. But for those people, there's no, no issue. It's just part of their life. It's correct. Um, And that's where I, again, I'm very conservative in my approach to a lot of things in which, you know, why wing it and find out later how it's going to work. So when it comes to approaching, especially cannabis, something that can, you know, have some effect in the body that you don't know of, it's important to have experience in both things that you're trying to combine. So in other words, if you want to incorporate cannabis into fitness suddenly you want to go for a run you've never done it you have run all your life you have a lot of experience with running and you maybe have a lot of experience with consuming cannabis but for some reason you've never thought you can you know combine the two and that's very that's a really common thing 
Well, that guy, he knows what he's doing on both sides. That's a guy I would love to say, you are going to have a great time. You, We can have a conversation in different ways that, and what, how to time it, that sort of thing. But if you don't have experience with both things, it's tough to combine them. And I, I caution people to experience cannabis in whatever method you're consuming it before you combine. So if you are a person that say smokes joints or have done that in your entire life and you have a lot of experience with that, suddenly you want to incorporate an edible, have the experience with the edible first, then see how your body reacts. It's, it's just, it's important to me to say that because I don't want to hear, I hate hearing the horrible stories that people have where they say went out and got lost or didn't know where they were or panicked. And there are those you don't know what your body's gonna gonna do. That's just the nature of our bodies and the way that this thing is working. Right. So you have people coming to you who want to improve their their wellness. And you have, as you mentioned, sort of a whole toolkit of things. There's nutrition, there's, you know, workouts. I imagine there's some people who are are newbies on all that stuff, and then other people who are maybe plateaued and they just want to kind of jumpstart the routine or you're offering a whole range of services to people, right? Well, it's it's hard to discuss one thing without often discussing something else. You know, the mm-hmm. remember the song, the leg bones connected to the knee bone kind of thing. It, I know we giggle, but it's true. And we just dated ourselves a little bit, by the way. Um, that said, it is true. I mean, just from the shoes that you wear on your feet, it's going to have an effect on your posture throughout the day, which has an effect on how you, you sit at the desk and you can continue on and on. So we oftentimes it's really unfair to compartmentalize something and say, well, you know, this particular exercise program is going to get you the exact same thing you want in your body. Everything you want is going to come from this program. Well, it's, it's an ideal marketing pro, you know, idea, but we, everything does get connected. There are little, like little pieces of the puzzle and your health history is part of that. So where you've come from to get to this point makes a lot of, it means a lot in how you go forward. If you are coming and with a litany of medications, for example, again, incorporating cannabis, cannabis has an effect in the body. I'm not saying that they're negative effects. I'm saying we're looking for those effects. So if the effect of cannabis, that particular strain, for example, does lower your blood sugar. Well, if you're on medication that also does that, it's we're not having an interaction in medications. What we're having is two medications, two substances going in your body, having the same effect. So those things need to be kind of looked at as well, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, you you need to kind of continually step back and look at the bigger picture and, and look at That's all- exactly it. The 30,000 foot view from above, how does this fit together? Where is it, you know, going to go? And is it sustainable, so, so to speak? You know, there's a lot of, we have a lot of tools out there, but the question really comes down to why. I you know, this is a very unpopular stance, but cannabis isn't necessary. Sorry to the rest of the cannabis industry. It is a great tool. It's a great medicine. It's a great elixir. That said, it's also for a lot of people, it can be a great crutch for when all of the things that are causing you to have symptoms, you are not willing to make a change for. For example, we have a lot of dietary and lifestyle things that we can do in our lives to kind of be healthier and use that term to get to a better a place of health. 
But, you know, you can use cannabis to help you get there. It's a nice way to help lower your blood sugar and help get your cravings in order and that sort of thing to help you maybe get to where you're comfortable getting into discussing changing your nutrition or changing your lifestyle. Um, And again, you know, we have stress. We're dealing with, let's just say, life's symptoms. A lot of people, anxiety and, and sleep are the two big things that most people need to manage. Um, and when they do, cannabis does a great job at both. When they do manage them, that snowball goes down the right hill. Right. As you mentioned, the possibility of using it as a crutch. I mean, there is the danger of overuse with anything. And cannabis uh, could be overused as well. I understand that. Um, it's it's tough because from a scientific point of view, you can look at how it works in the body. And technically speaking, you know, you're not going to go through these withdrawal symptoms like you would with opioids, um, just the way it interacts in the body. But of course, you know, there are different kinds of addictions, whether we look at it from the emotional point of view or, or whatnot. But just again, we're talking about the endocannabinoid system. If you're removing it, you wouldn't want to use the word addiction. You're taking your body back out of balance if it was something that was helped putting it into balance. So I'm not sure if, um, you know, we can say addiction and overuse. It's, it's a very vague gray area that I don't have, you know, an expertise to discuss, but I, of course, can comment on it. <laughs> Um, I don't personally know anybody who is technically addicted or overused. Um, but, you know, people that I know are using it for therapy. They're using it to supplement their life. Um, I don't know, again, anybody who's sitting at home playing video games with Doritos and, you know, doing these six foot bomb hits. Right. Um, the old stereotype. Yeah. It's, it, and it's starting to almost like get to the point where I'm like, okay, well, we're just going to flush the stereotype completely from Hollywood eventually, because I don't know anybody who exists like that. I certainly remember people like that, um, but we all became adults and got on with our lives. Uh, When you talk about wellness, you know, you approach it with the intention. Uh, And again, it's a tool for balance or what a biologist would call homeostasis. Mm -hmm. You get better sleep, take the edge off your anxiety and do some other things too. So when you have that intention in mind, I think you're probably not going to be prone to overusing it. You're probably going to be more focused on what's good for you. Well, I, I mean, I'd like to think, and again, it's my echo chamber experience, my clientele, the people I get to work with and experience and talk to, um, really, they are almost approaching it with more caution than I am. So if they're getting introduced to it, you know, they're going to take even less of it or consume less of it than perhaps, you know, could be even more therapeutic to them, at least at first. Um, you know, I've yet to see anybody who crosses the line where suddenly they're just, they've disappeared or whatever. Um, you know, it's, I'm sure there are those exceptions and there are probably certain chemistries in, in certain brains that are going to be, you know, are going to react differently. And I think that they are most likely the smallest or smaller percentage than the public would like to believe only because I've yet to meet any of these people. Um, but when we're, when, even at the end of the day, I, the conversation I have had recently with somebody is let's just say, I agree with you that cannabis is, you know, dirty or has some effects in the body that maybe aren't the best for society. If you want to go there. Okay. 
at the end of the day, it's still a much better alternative than let's just say opioids. We can, there's nobody that I know of that would, would argue that. I mean, if you're going to sit here and say, all, it's a good tool to get off of opioids, for example. In fact, the people that are, you know, can go pretty much cold turkey off from opioids by including cannabis without all of those horrible gastro uh, symptoms, the vomiting, the sweating, you know, the withdrawal symptoms that keep people staying on opioids for a really long time, or at least a lot longer than they want to be on them. Absolutely. I think it's an incredible tool for that. And it's stunning and incredibly stupid that there's still so many doctors prescribing opioids when <sighs> it's non-toxic, plant-based, non-addictive, pain-killing medicine available. It's just kind of crazy. But how about if we shift gears and talk about what a success looks like when you're working with a client? You know, How do you help people get to the next level of, of wellness with or without cannabis? That's a great question. Um, I used to be able to think, well, of course, when we were younger, it was all about the aesthetics. So somebody losing 20, 30 pounds that they wanted to or whatever was the ultimate goal. And it's really come to, I get super excited when somebody says, hey, I just realized that I haven't had my trigger finger you know, going on for three months, or this particular pain isn't bothering me and I'm lifting my grandkid up onto the swing or that sort of thing. Um, it really comes in the re revelation of a lifestyle adjustment or lifestyle improvement, I suppose, or somebody feeling like they're aging backwards. Um, and from that 30,000, you know, foot view, it looks like all of their puzzle pieces are coming together, meaning they haven't just grabbed, you know, the exercise component and they're just running every single day. And that makes sense, right? Nah, that's not going to work either. They've also, they've managed their nutrition they're managing their sleep. They're managing their stress, which is a big component. And some of that does come from cannabis. Some of it comes from the domino effect of getting the sleep and managing the anxiety. But it's just, again, those puzzle pieces sort of coming together. And when you see somebody, you can hear that their life has improved. You hear the exciting things that they're doing. And especially when you're, you know, somebody who has any man, you know, kind of stress that they're not managing very well, you hear it in their voice. It comes across as depression. It comes across as you know, some self-deprecating de comments, some really, I don't know, almost abusive things that they would say about themselves. And you see that change. And it's not just women, by the way. It's men that are honestly a lot more abusive verbally about themselves than women are. So that is the stuff that really excites me, um, especially when they're, they've had, or you know, a lot of pain for a lot of years or they've gotten off from a particular medication, some kind of harmful pharmaceutical that has been plaguing them with a whole bunch of other uh, side effects that they've now they don't have to deal with anymore. So those are the big, the biggest success stories um, that I get to, to hear about and see. And really, they do excite me more than the guys that are, you know, just not that, you know, losing 40, 50 pounds isn't a big deal, but it comes from putting it all together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you said something in there about sort of reverse aging, you know, like a like a Benjamin Button scenario. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that well, it's a common when somebody that's how they kind of verbalize it. They they list off all these things that are going on that are great, and then they finalize it going, "I feel as good as I did when I was 25." And that just pretty much paints the picture, right? 
You yeah. know, if you're talking to somebody who's almost 70, 60, 50, it doesn't even matter really. And they say the statement, I feel as, as good as I did when I was 25. And all right, we got it. I mean, you can't, you can't get any better than that really. Isn't that what we're all looking for is to get back to our twenties. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. I mean, and it comes from taking, as you've mentioned, sort of a holistic view and looking at all the, the pieces and maybe a piece is stress relief. Maybe a piece is movement. A piece of it is nutrition and having those, building those daily rituals that are going to help you achieve that over a long period of time. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, it's really tough to consider how far we've come, you know, from let's just say the species that we are, we're humans, right? We're just basic biology from an evolutionary standpoint, where did we come from and how we're living now is such a dichotomy. You know, we used to move all of the time. We went out to get our food. We came back and we cooked it a certain way. We, you know, our lifestyles don't reflect very much of where we came from. Instead of, you know, looking at where something is coming from, say a symptom, we go to a doctor to try to add a pharmaceutical to fix that symptom. So I really want to consider, like, let's look at where this, where is this coming from and see if it, there's something that you can do to fix it instead of taking a pill. Because really at the end of the day, you have the most impact in your body by what you're putting in or really not putting into it. It comes down to anything you're putting into your body is going to have an effect, right? Whether it be food, a pharmaceutical, water, even with the air you're breathing has an effect on your life. So by removing harmful stuff that you're putting into your body, you have a much better effect than by adding something new. Let's just be honest. That's just the unfortunate thing of it. So until somebody is willing to remove that negative thing, oftentimes adding something positive like cannabis can can help kind of get that better balance and then get them off the other stuff. Absolutely. You know, some of what we spoke of with CBD balm that is going to hit your CBD1 and CBD2 receptors and, and relieve some of that pain and then the sleep snowball and the anxiety. There's also a component, I think, of mindfulness and just, you know, opening up your awareness and cannabis can be very useful in that realm as well. It might sound a little hippity dippity, you know, the whole <laughs> consuming. And I and I have that conversation, and I always preface it that way with, especially, you know, the conservative clients. Like, might be a little hippity dippity, but consider your intention when you're consuming cannabis. You know, what is what are you wanting to accomplish out of it? Going into it with fear doesn't work, you know, very well. But it's the same thing with everything in life. We're you know, it sounds weird, this whole self-care thing or, you know, meditate or quiet journal, all those things, whatever that works for you, you have to find something in the mindfulness. You have to be able to, in this day and age, in the world that everybody's brain is in this constant, like heightened state, if you don't find a way to get away from that and break it down a little bit, I don't know. I mean, this is, we're looking at some serious stress, some chronic diseases, some things that are going on in the bodies that we just didn't have not that long ago. You know what I mean? Well, just having a slight shift of perspective. I mean, that's why people come home from work and have a martini and then maybe it's two mm -hmm. martinis and then pretty <laughs> it's a habit. And that habit, you have to think about how that habit serves you or does not serve you. And and maybe That's a very good way of putting it, the serving part. I like that. Maybe yes. it serves you well for, for decades, but then there's a point of diminishing returns and, you, you know, your doctor's telling you your liver's beat up. Well, you still want to 
be able to change your perspective at the end of the day. And maybe cannabis can help you do that. Well, the human body is an amazing thing. It really, it, it can take some serious abuse. You, you know, you hear everybody has that friend who has what consumed Twinkies 24 seven their whole life. And oh, that they, they're fine. They're, they look like they're, you know, nice and skinny and healthy. Well, you know, that, that aside, it can only take so much abuse and then eventually things start to deteriorate or things just can't recover as well. So when we're talking about cannabis, you know, as far as recovery, that's, you know, one thing it can definitely do, but you know, our lifestyles just don't account for that break. You know what I mean? It just doesn't, our life, we're just kind of in this go, 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 go constantly. So. Yeah. Paying attention to your body is, uh, is the only way you're going to be able to reverse aging um, step by step. So let's step back ourselves and look at a bigger picture. Do you think you're on the forefront of something here? I mean, I don't know too many other people who identify as cannabis wellness coaches. Or, <laughs> I mean, I think... I am an island where I feel like I, it occasionally... But... Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're out ahead of a, a wave that is coming. I mean, the things that you're talking about make so much sense and... I hope that there's a, a movement towards this. What do you think? I really, well, I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic um, and, and discouraged daily because, you know, it's just life. And I listen and read to everything um, because I'm just trying to figure it out all out here. Where are we going with it? Um, I, I think and really am, again, optimistic that because the we do see the pharmaceutical companies actually taking notice um you know and kind of bringing it up a little bit and as bad as that is for the actual cannabis industry it's also as good because it's bringing notice and you and just when we got the what is the um the drug that just came out for the epilepsy i it's escaping Ep my brain Ep for a moment yes thank yeah. you um ever since then i mean Every single day, sometimes twice a day, I get somebody asking about it. Um, that's pretty big right there because it's a conversation that the soccer moms are having now in neighborhoods in which they never had before. So, you know, I hate to generalize it like that, but I think it means, I hope it means that if nothing else, we're going to see CBD hopefully become a lot more of a common thing. It's just something that when I bring up CBD, they don't go, what's that? Because if they don't know what it is, then it bothers me that the next the next statement has to be, well, it's a molecule that comes from the cannabis plant. And then it's, you know, you see their faces oftentimes, like it's never good. Um, it's the doctors who still go, what's that? Oh, yeah. Ryan, <laughs> if your doctor doesn't know. <laughs> if your doctor's Googling it in front of you. <laughs> um, yeah, it. You're right. It is the doctors. I mean, the doctors are the good ones are admitting, hey, we never learned this in med school. And, you know, we want to know more. And I'm having great conversations with those doctors because they're I just had one on Thursday. I met with a doctor near me. He doesn't know anything about it. I mean, he knows of it, wants to help his patients with it. But outside of that, 
you know, he doesn't know the difference between all of the different cannabinoids or the different, he doesn't even know how to recommend it. And that's kind of where we're at. We're in this weird wild, wild west situation where the information is coming from a lot of different directions. People want to get it from their doctors because we put a lot of stock in that medical degree, but ironically, they didn't learn that in med school. So you know, we're in a weird gap of education on that. But I'm, I am very hopeful that we're going to see a lot of these products come to market that are aimed to, you know, I hate the word again, biohacking, but it it really works because it's a conversation that most people are understanding now. Because we're, we're talking about smaller doses of something that's meant to kind of personally enhance somebody, whether it be mentally or physically. So we're not just talking the phys- or the uh, the fitness buffs or the athletes. We're also talking about the guys that are sitting in Silicon Valley that want to sit at their desk for 18 hours without having to worry about a cognitive decline. So, you know, we see a, a, a lot of interesting products coming to market. I'm hoping that we get to see more um, lab concentrates done. And that goes against a lot of what I stand for, but the reason is we need to see these studies done and we can't get accurate studies done from an action, just the flower, the way it is. Um, because it's not the same from strain to strain from part of the flower to the other part of the flower, you know, the terpene profile is very different. So until we're testing things and doing studies done with more consistent medicine or dose, you know, from the actual clinical standpoint, we can't, it's harder to have that conversation with somebody go, well, this is where we know we can start from um, and get the information out to, to more people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and the backdrop for all of that is it's legal now medicinally in 30 plus states, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the north in Canada, to the south in Mexico, South Korea. I mean, the whole world is beginning to understand that the, the propaganda was bullshit and the stigma <laughs> no longer needed. So say uh, somebody comes to you and says, uh, my mind is open and I'd like to integrate cannabis into my wellness routine. What's your advice to somebody who who wants to take the first few steps? Great question. Um, My first question is always, well, what are you looking to accomplish first off? But without the answer to that, my first one is to start low and slow. I know it's cheesy. Everybody says it, but it is to start low and slow. Um, and, and this is an interesting concept, but I love the buddy system. If you, and it could be me, it could be your husband, your wife, whoever, but to have somebody there with you that can help you experience it and, you know, just kind of be a comfort to you. That includes going to the gym too. So when you're starting, whether it be your wellness routine or program, whatever you want to call it, it means I want to include it in my exercise, you know, routine. Same thing. It might be if you're used to going to the gym, working out by yourself, it's still not a bad idea the first time when you're incorporating the two together to bring a buddy. You know what I mean? Um, Outside of the fact that I'm not going to encourage anybody to break the law and get in their car and drive if they're of any, uh, under any kind of influence. that sort of thing, you should have somebody that could drive you unless your gym is in your house. Um, but the low and slow is is great. And I used to say, start with just CBD. But when somebody is really wanting some sort of therapy of some sort, um, a really small, even if it's the smallest amount of THC incorporated in it works really well. Like the one-to-one, um, the one-to-one ratio ones work really well. And this, the people that live in states that 
it's legal. That's the problem, obviously. If they're if if THC is not legal in their state, then you know CBD is the only way to go. But um, I actually am a pretty unpopular opinion on this. I like vaping is the first. Um, I say the first way you can. I would suggest starting. It's not necessarily going through an edible. Um, it's not necessarily going through a tincture because unless it's an alcohol tincture, if you're doing the, um, anything in the MCT oil, I've just found so many people. I mean, the vast majority of people I've talked to don't do well with taking it in the oil, uh, form. It just doesn't do well for their, 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 whether it be in their stomach and nausea or later on down the road, somewhere in the gastrointestinal tract, it just doesn't do well for them. So doing vaping, you could do small inhalations in addition to the fact that, you feel that effect immediately. You're not going to fall victim to the, oh, I don't feel anything. Let me try to take another one and then take another one. And, you know, later on down the road, you're hugging the floor and vomiting. So mm-hmm. that's an unfortunate, you know, I haven't had an experience and I don't know anybody who has recently, but back in the day, that used to be the commonality. Um, so I warn people of that. So, so you like a one-to-one vape? A one-to-one CBD um, to teach. Well, if you're doing a tincture, yes, I think it's a great place to start for a lot of people. Um, just doing THC by itself can you know, make people paranoid um, if they've never done it before, that sort of thing. But having a little CBD in there works really well. But because most people are dealing with some inflammation and pain, that's where that one-to-one works really well, especially with the pain. So do you use a, a pen-style vaporizer or do you have a mod? I do both. I have, there's a couple of companies that I like for, actually, it's just a plain CBD pen. Um, they're, you know, they're not chargeable or anything. They're just the, the one in use that they eventually run out and you toss them. Um, I think they work really well because a lot of times they'll have other essential oils in there that can kind of help kind of modulate that effect, whether it be for focus, whether it be for sleep. Um, so it might have lavender in it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, those work really well, but I also am a big fan of the flower because you get the entire, you know, you get the whole profile, you're getting that entourage effect and you can kind of help customize things for people. Cause some people, even though those strains vary, people get really loyal to the things that work for them. And so you can really customize a terp or at least gain or, or aim for that terpene profile in a particular flower where the market just doesn't have the abundance of concentrates and um, whatnot in pens at, at least at the same level of choices that, that we have for flower right now. So are you talking about vaping dry herb then? Yes. And so you look for a strain that um, is high in CBD? I do suggest it, yes. Um, I particularly like them uh, myself, but that's, you know, depending on the time of day and what I'm looking for. But um, CBD is, because it's, I guess, more common conversation, people are more comfortable with, you know, using something that's high in CBD. Um, And it works really well for people. It doesn't have to be, though, either. You know, I'm a big fan of THC as well, and it works well for people for, and, and it's necessary for people if they have pain. You know, the CBD, I'm sorry, it's just not going to cut it. If they have, you know, long-term pain, not going to work. Right. Not going to be enough. Yeah. It's a good start, um, you know, but really it's it's just not, not enough. And the same thing goes for the, like my fitness buffs and athletes, you say, you say the same thing. Let's, you know, kind of suggest starting off with just the bombs and, and whatnot for CBD. 
it doesn't take long before, you know, they realize that some THC can do them well too, especially when they're, you know, battering their body so hard. Yeah. There gets to be a lot of complexity when you start talking about some of this. I mean, the pen style vapes are great because they're so simple. You know, you charge it with your USB thing and then you screw on the barrel and you're ready to go. And then you have a mod where you're going to put some kind of tincture in or you have a dry herb vaporizer. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to learn and you want to try to keep it simple. uh, But the more you get into it, the more sort of complex it can get too. Well, it can get complex and there's never, you know, a simple, quick answer when somebody tells you, you know, something's going on, what do they want to do? And then, well, the, the good news is we have a menu of things that we can try. The bad news is that you, there's some trial and error involved because everybody's different. And But on the other hand, that is kind of cool, too. You get to try a lot of interesting things. Um, and from my perspective, I'm still mind boggled on a daily basis by, wow, that did that to you. Interesting. I've never had that happen before or, you know, vice versa. Like it's just, it's very interesting. You're talking about a mountain of anecdotal evidence and stories that, you know, does it amount to anything that, that makes sense? Well, eventually it might, but you know, right now, I think the simplest answer is you just, you kind of have to try it. Um, You just have to start somewhere. And a big word of caution, if you haven't incorporated exercise in any kind of way with cannabis and you start doing it, cut it in half. I don't care if you are a high functioning cannabis consumer, please just cut it in half. Because when you do exercise, you actually are increasing all of that coming out. So you're the, the effect is much higher. Yeah. Start low and slow, cut it in half, and know that you have a big menu of options for whatever you're trying to achieve. Well, we're, you know, exercise, fitness, even life in general, you're, you know, you're talking about a couple of components. You're talking about, you know, recovery, right? Recovery, you're talking, you know, metabolic function. These are all things that cannabis help a lot with. But recovery is the biggest thing for any athlete or anybody who's going to do something in their body, whether it be you with your running, biking, um, it could just be hiking. And it could be that you have a heavy weight training routine. It's the recovery. It's that inflammation. And pretty much everybody has a little inflammation. It's managing that inflammation. The higher the inflammation, the longer the recovery. Um, so a lot of, a lot of runners, a lot of ultra runners are really have kind of been on the DL for decades now with consuming cannabis. Um, because when you beat your body up like that, you're, it just hurts. It's the inflammation is going to kick in. You know, it's a long, it's a long time of running. These guys are some serious guys. So they're consuming, you know, micro doses, but the first thing that they do isn't just going to incorporate CBD when they stop running. It has to incorporate a little bit of THC as well, just to, you know, shut that brain down, get your body back into stop moving. Cause it feels like it's still moving after moving for hours and hours. So there's, you know, the tool, this tool is, has an endless list of possibilities as far as I can tell. Something for, for this audience in particular, baby boomers who, we don't yes. bounce back as fast as we used to. So all those problems, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but you know, all that recovery happens at a little slower pace um, the older we get until we figure it out does. how to bend button it and turn the clock back. And uh, you know, if this is a tool for that, that's fantastic. 
Well, most people, when they've come to this age, they're coming with, you know, a basket of pills and a bas- and another basket of symptoms, really. So those symptoms oftentimes do accompany some sort of inflammation, right? Whether it be some, some itis, arthritis is the most common, but any, you know, bursitis, all those inflammations, you know, they need to be taken down. That's going to hinder any kind of recovery. I don't care what the inflammation is from, whether it be a surgery from 20 years ago or from you falling on your elbow and now you have a big bursa sack hanging off from your elbow, it's still inflammation and is going to hinder any kind of recovery. So kind of interrupting that or getting that, that recovery, that inflammation to come down sooner, you know, is really important. So, I mean, the baby boomers of all people I talk to, you know, their biggest thing is let's see if we can get off some of this medication and wake up in the morning not hurting all the time. Yeah. Well, an inflammation is going to get all of us one way or another. So at some yeah. point, you know, here is this powerful anti-inflammatory that was uh, heavily stigmatized until a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, I can tell from, tell you from my personal experience, I had serious sinus surgery last year. Um, I had to have my, well, I had a deviated septum that was fixed for the oh. second time, but I also had these blocked sinuses. I had six diseased sinuses, as they put it. It was a very beautiful, awesome situation where they went in with, and rotor rooted the whole thing out. Yeah. Um, very cool story to tell you, just to give you this image. It was by far the most painful thing that I can recall I've ever been through because the inflammation after surgery four days later was that was the, the worst pain I'd ever been in my life. As far as I could tell, anyway, you don't remember pain later on, but I remembered that feeling. Um, I will say taking, and I, again, high functioning cannabis consumer wasn't cutting it, but what did cut it was taking high doses of CBD. Hmm. It was the only thing that cut it. And I, I just refused to take anything that they gave me. Um, I took an opioid, I think. 15 years ago at some point when I had a back or back problem and it made me so sick. So I'm not that person. Um, and I was stuck with nothing and just, and cannabis wasn't doing it by itself, but the CBD, it was the most interesting thing. I could feel the inflammation leaving my face. I mean, you couldn't see it, but you could feel the pain just leaving and like that pressure was going away. And to me, it felt like a miracle. And I'll keep saying it over and over again. You can take all the Tylenol or other stuff in the world. It's not going to cut it compared to what CBD has the capability of doing, at least from my own personal experience and several others that have similar type stories. That's an amazing story. And, you know, you're talking about right up there where you live, right up in your head and your face. So oh, yeah. I mean, that that's the worst kind of pain. You can't you can't avoid it. So that's an incredible story. Now, when you say high doses of CBD, how much were you taking for that? Uh, well, higher than just a couple of drops. I was doing the whole drop or fill, which ended up being I think it was thousand um, milligrams, at the, at, you know, for each dose, um, which Again, depending on what therapy you're looking for, you know, these, the kids that are taking, um, taking it for epilepsy have to take very high doses. So oh, depending yeah. on what's going on, you know, what they're, those, I, again, and we hate the word dose, but the amount, whatever you want to say, the dose is dependent upon what's going on in the body too. And yeah. I'm, and I don't know enough about this part and I don't know where I could find this information if it's out there you know, how much of that is determined on your own ECS system as well, your own endocannabinoid system, what's going on there. Yeah, um, a thousand milligrams would be a lot. I mean, like there's capsules that are 15 milligrams, so you'd have to 
choked on a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really lucky that I have a very cool, uh, really kind of a craft dispensary here. It's a medicinal dispensary, but it's, I would say, as craft as you can get because they have their goal is to create these really awesome products that are meant to specifically be used as medicine. You know, use ther- you know, not, they happen to have very high dose of uh, CBD, but you know, as an example, I just talked to the owner the other day and they're doing, um, they're doing some tests right now, some, some suppositories, which is, a you know, they're having amazing results with some uh, serious pain patients. So I'm excited to hear how more and that's going, but I digress. It's <laughs> they, the medicine is being created in those unique circumstances. So I wouldn't recommend to start off with taking a high dose to anybody else, but you know, when you're, I was in dire straits. I was, right. <laughs> When you're in pain, um, yeah, it's not like taking an opioid. They could kill you. You're taking an organic medicine that is a powerful anti-inflammatory, and that's heaven sent. That's a miracle, like you said. It was for me anyways, and and it it wasn't a pharmaceutical. You said it very well. It wasn't some chemical full with, you know, like taking Russian roulette. Let's see how this is going to turn out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) What a concept. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you is for there, having me. It's been there great. Anything else we should cover? And then let's talk about where people can find you online. And I have to mention you play a great Twitter game. So I know. Oh, wow. Thank you. We can find you there. But um, where's your website and where can we find you? Uh, right now, I am just on my website and Twitter um, and on my phone. That's people usually reach me directly and that's why I'm not always on my website. I do. I am on Twitter every day because the conversation tends to be there. And um, as you know, that's how we met. It's been great. Um, so my handle on Twitter is health cannabis, um, just all one word health cannabis. And then my website is the um, all one word. And I can be found there as well. So I, I do, answer all questions directly, which is why I'm really in only those two places um, so that I can make sure that I do have time to get back to everybody. Well, and again, I I think you're at the forefront of a wave that is going to be a huge tsunami eventually as more and more people learn about this non-toxic medicine and and how to integrate it into their wellness routines. I really hope so, um, because it would just be a shame to lose something that, you know, really has so many benefits to like the largest amount of people I can think of, you know, it's who are we to get in between medicine that can heal and help some 96 year old grandmother and a seven year old kid at the same time. You know, it's who are we to do that? That's not our job, but our job hopefully is to make sure that the rest of the you know people out there know that it is here and it is a great alternative um, or friend that can kind of help you get to where you really need to be. So to speak. Well, thank you for taking the time. Thanks again, Tom. You've been listening to Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast with Thomas J. For more on medicinal cannabis for baby boomers, visit us at cannaboomers.com.